the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Wednesday morning. You are tuning your heart to the truth with us today. I'm Gabby Smith along with Johnny Bear and David Dawson. Hey guys, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday indeed. I can't believe it's Wednesday already, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy it's here. And I don't know I, I, how the weather is up in Bush, Louisiana, but it sure is well, comfortable here in Baton Rouge. And yeah, way up here on the north of the North Shore, it's yes. 62 and clear. Whoa! <laughs> get your sweaters out. <laughs> yeah, just yes. about. Whoa, chilly. Yes. Yeah, it's, oh, it's get a fire such going. a turnaround. I love it. Get a little goosebumps. I say, what's those things on my skin? Yeah, it's goosebumps. Oh, yeah, I forgot what that is. <laughs> I want to welcome also anyone and all those who are involved in RCIA because this station, uh, this content is perfect for anyone journeying and interested in learning about the Catholic faith and go side by side. Yes. So uh, welcome aboard. Thank you for tuning into the truth. And you know, everything we do, uh, guys, is based on prayer. So this morning we're going to ask for the intercession of the, our Korean saints, martyrs, uh, Saints Andrew Kim Taegon, Paul Chong Hasang, and his companions. So let us get started and pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O Lord, you are the morning star, the dew upon our world, the breath of a new day. Help us to begin once again to allow you, the life of the world, to take us to new heights of love, understanding, and compassion. For it is only through your enduring and healing love that the world will once again come to know you. The one true God is their only hope of happiness and salvation. May this wisdom, the knowledge of your eternal love, vindicate us and all of mankind and bring us into unity with the Blessed Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And the Father, amen. and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen. 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 <laughs> We're looking forward to Johnny's Gospel Reflection that is coming up at 7 after. In 18 minutes, Dr. James Papandrea joins us. He's a Catholic author, and today he's talking about his book called Praying the Psalms, The Divine Gateway to Lexio Divina and Constantine contemplative prayer. So looking forward to learning a little bit more today about that. In 35 minutes, Michelle Schroeder joins us. She is the Director of Pastoral Services at Our Lady of St. Catholic Church in Baton Rouge. And today she's talking about her book called The Handy Little Guide to Adoration, a perfect little companion during the Eucharistic revival. So looking forward to speaking to Michelle today. And in 48 minutes, Dr. Jordan Haddad joins us. He's a professor of dogmatic theology at Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans and president of the St. Louis IX Art Society. And we are continuing our segment, Catholic 101. Today, we are talking about divine revelation. So 
Looking forward to this topic with Dr. Haddad and learning a little bit more today. And I did want to say that there are so many things happening in our listening area. And if you have an event in your parish, church, or school community, you can send it to us absolutely free at our website at ccmedia.live. We will post it on our events calendar and talk about it on our mo- on our morning show. It is absolutely free advertisement for you guys, and we love talking about it. So go to ccmedia.live, click on events and news, and then submit your event. You can have an event for Christmas. I have submit su- have events that were submitted to us. I think in January, March wow. of next year. Wow. Already so doing fish fries for Lent, are you? <laughs> I don't know if I have. I think it's retreats okay. that I posted up. So definitely oh, check that out as Advent. well. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we have your gospel and gospel reflection coming up right after the break. It is five past the hour on Wake Up. Today's gospel is taken from Luke chapter 7. Jesus said to the crowds, To what shall I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not weep. For John the Baptist came neither eating food nor drinking wine, and you said, He is possessed by a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you said, Look, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by all her children. We've heard the gospel, and now we reflect. Thank you, Father Chris Decker. Well, guys, someone once said that the trouble with the world is that people refuse to grow up. And then (laughs) someone asked them, uh, when is a person grown up? To which the other person said, on the day that person does not have to be lied to about anything. I thought that was fairly profound. Interesting. You know, so I, it's it's fitting then that Jesus is using the example of the games that children play to describe the religious leaders of his generation, because it is a control game going on in that generation and ours. We'll talk about that in a minute. A shell game. You might call it you never win <laughs> game, because if you do, well, then you're going to lose power. And you say, well, what power, you might ask, you know. And it's the power to declare for ourselves what is good, moral, and true, and therefore you get to shield yourself from any judgment. It's just a tower of lies, and and these people are very proud of it because the lies, they live off the lies. Mm -hmm. Even when the truth is standing right before their eyes, Mm -hmm. they have to refuse to listen to it. So Jesus specifically, he's calling out, he's pointing out that those who refused to get baptized by John the Baptist were essentially declaring that they don't have any sins that need to be forgiven. In fact, they even call John a demon. It gets to be absurd, this, this, these lies. And Jesus here now is eating and forgiving and healing us sinners. And his critics don't see that they're the very opposite of the God that they claim to follow. And what's even worse, these moralists... They, they witness the good and miraculous that Jesus is doing, which should have been more than enough to silence them, but instead they shout all the more, never opening their mind, never apologizing, never recanting or questioning themselves. So by now you're probably saying, hey, this sounds a lot like our generation, right? 
and you would be yes. entirely. <laughs> yes, yeah, and you're right. You're right. <laughs> that is. Yeah. You look around, you know, and then the enemies of the church are relentless. You know, oh, yeah. they're trying to tear down what's all good and true and beautiful about our heritage, labeling it evil and hateful, never apologizing, never humbling themselves for the evil they've caused with their own pseudo kind of religion. They are the modern children of the marketplace who ridicule the only one who can save them, and they know this. But, but here's the good news. Here's the good news. As Jesus, as this gospel ends today, Jesus proclaims that wisdom is vindicated by her children. Jesus, of course, is wisdom itself. And those who are God's children not only witnessed all that had happened in his resurrection, they witnessed that everything the Lord proclaimed is true is life, is hope, is goodness, is beauty, is the source of all joy. And therefore, we who believe are the legacy of wisdom, hopefully. (laughs) Children of wisdom, then, what's their characteristic? We strive not to accept lies about ourselves. That's the key. Mm -hmm. Why? In order to see God more clearly. The children of wisdom live to be consistent with the truth of Christ, generous with the love of Christ, and patient with those who are open to the truth and to love. So a couple quick stories about this. You know, the, the problem really is interior, and that's, and that's eternal over the generations. So the seminarian came to his spiritual director one time, and he asked him, he said, why is everybody here so happy except me? <laughs> he was, he was like, and the older priest said, because they've learned to see beauty and goodness everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then the young man said, then why don't I see it everywhere? And to that, the director said, because you cannot see outside of you, wow. but you fail to see inside of you. Mm. And that is the root, isn't it? <clears throat> I found uh, interesting today, I was looking at the Catholic Almanac and on this day in history, uh, guys, and well, I found this kind of interesting. Anyway, on this day, there was this American Cardinal Archbishop George Mund- Mundelein, of Chicago, and, and here's the time. It was in May 1937. So mm-hmm. he, he basically gives a talk, and he evokes a fury of reaction. And he's talking to, essentially, the International Brotherhood of Painters, Paper Hangers, and Decorators. Okay. And what did he say that got people so upset? This is May 1937. All right. He openly condemns Hitler and the Nazi persecution of the Catholic mm. Church in Germany, okay. saying out loud, quote, How is it that a nation of 60 million people, intelligent people, will submit in fear to an alien, an Austrian paper hanger, and a poor one at that, I am told, unquote. Uh Oh, okay. (laughs) So so within days, of course, the Nazis are denouncing the cardinal, and they're going, and there's a massive rally, demanding that the Vatican censure him, you know? And when the Vatican refused, attacks against Catholics in Germany only intensified. And to make things worse, even the paper hangers got mad at him. <laughs> so, uh, because they're, yes. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, just speaking the truth, no one is going to be happy. Right. So let's, so let's look, look at us today, you know? We know that the children of wisdom today, uh, you know, are p- trying to play the tune. And they're going to ridicule us, the children of wisdom, Jesus' children, for defending true marriage as being between one man and one woman, Mm -hmm. that there's only two genders, that religious liberty ensures all the other liberties, that abortion is ending ending innocent life, our temples are 
our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And on it goes with, the, with these deep truths that endure. We know this because wisdom has vindicated <clears throat> this. Uh, not just statistics and history that continue to reveal and show that our Lord has the essence of all truth. And let's be clear to say that Jesus' resurrection uh, vindicates everything that his holy Catholic Church proclaims and teaches. So we're the children of this unchanging wisdom that Jesus is the Christ. Our job is to let the Holy Spirit continue to vindicate himself. Mm-hmm. Anyway, interesting uh, parallel, right, with our Lord uh, describing his naysayers, huh? It is interesting, and I think even more interesting is, like you said uh, earlier, uh, it applies to our times right now, doesn't it? You bet. Mm-hmm. You bet. So, <clears throat> wisdom continues to echo through the through the eighth. All we got to do is continue to let it be spoken, right? There you go. Uh, so this, we're going to dive into the Psalms a little bit. The Psalms, they say, are a gateway. So right after the break, we're going to talk with Dr. James Papandrea about his book, Praying the Psalms. So stay with us. You tuned your heart to the truth. We'll be right back. It is quarter after the hour. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for September 20th. Today we celebrate Saints Andrew Kim Taigon, Paul Chung Husong, and Companions. Christianity came slowly to Korea, beginning in the late 1500s. Two hundred years later, a small, homegrown church had taken root. The son of Christian converts, Andrew Kim, was born in 1821. Andrew studied for the priesthood in China. When he returned home, he helped missionaries enter the country by a water route that would elude the border patrol. The first native-born Korean priest, he was arrested, tortured, and finally beheaded near Seoul in 1846. His father, Ignatius Kim, had been martyred in 1839. Paul Chung, a married layman, lost several family members to martyrdom. He risked his life making repeated journeys to China in an effort to find priests who would come to Korea and serve the young church. He was martyred in 1839. When John Paul II visited Korea in 1984, he canonized the two of them, along with 98 other Koreans and three French missionaries who had been martyred between 1839 and 1867. The Pope called them the leaven that led to the splendid flowering of the church in Korea. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 18 past the hour. You're tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Johnny Bear and David Dawson. Our next uh, guest is it, Dr. It, is James Papandreou. Two for Wednesday. You got two Gospels uh, today. How about that? Oh, so. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Our next guest is Dr. James Papandrea. He is a Catholic author. And today he's talking about his book called Praying the Psalms, The Divine Gateway to Lexio Divina and Contemplation. Prayer. Good morning, Dr. Papandrea. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, good morning. It's always great to be with you. Thanks for having me back. Thank you. And I meant to say contemplative. So there you go. It's just the whole <laughs> day has been absolutely thrown <laughs> upside down. Um, take, take us through book. This is something that a lot of people do on a regular basis, Lexio Divina. Um, and it's actually something that I've learned about uh, really not too long ago, really dove into it. So can you tell our listeners what they can find? 
Yeah, so uh, Lexio Divina is an ancient practice of praying the words of Scripture. It, it's Latin for um, divine reading, and, um, and, you know, I've been practicing this for, for years in my own personal prayer life, and I have found it to be um, really kind of, uh, you know, the, the thing that, that brought all of my prayers together. And, you know, as I think back on it, it's, there's nothing wrong with pouring out our hearts to God, but at the end of the day, you know, why should we think that our own words are better to pray than the words of Scripture? And so, um, you know, I have found that when you, when you pray the words of Scripture, you actually are, are giving the Holy Spirit the, the room to pray for you, as, uh, as St. Paul says in Romans. And so, um, you know, I, I've spent several years praying the Psalms myself, and it just sort of led to a, a book where I've taken excerpts from the Psalms, those, those parts of the Psalms that are most conducive to uh, praying them as though they are our own words, mm-hmm. and uh, created a new translation and, and put this book together. Do you, would you say that this book can be for someone who maybe wants to start praying the Psalms and be introduced to Lexio Divina, or someone who's been doing this for quite a while? Um, I think beginners would, would love this. I think this would be perfect for, um, for well, for beginners, um, and, and here's why, because when you pray through the Psalms, you sometimes feel like you have to wade through a lot of material that doesn't feel prayerful to you. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a lot of material in there where uh, the psalmist is talking about God, which is great, it's very praising, but you, you're not really talking to God. And there's a lot of material in there where uh, the psalmist is going on and on telling God things he already knows, and, or, or sometimes complaining about their enemies and wishing ill on their enemies. And, you know, so oh there are things right. in the psalms that you sort of have to get through to get to the real uh, meat of the prayer. And so I've taken all of those excerpts out and separated them out so that you can get right into the parts that feel like prayer to you. How did you go about picking certain verses or certain passages to be part of this book that you think people will really take in? Well, I, I started by praying through all of the Psalms, but then I noticed that, you know, some of them are talking about God in the third person, you know, sort of, isn't God great, but almost as if you're talking to somebody else in a congregation or, you know, I took that part out and I left, I was left with the parts where you're talking right to God and you're saying, speaking to God, you God in the, in the second person in that sense. And, um, and it was actually pretty easy to isolate those sections. Very nice. Um, take us through Lexio Divina. How does one get started for those who are just tuning in? We have some people from RCIA who are going through the t- teachings of the church, why they're going to become Catholic in a few months. But I wanted to talk about how powerful this can be for many people as far as strengthening their prayer life. Yeah, it, Lectio Divina is a beautiful thing. And, um, you know, we, we are encouraged to study the scriptures, of course, but Lectio Divina is not Bible study. And so part of what's so great about it is the pressure is off. You don't have to interpret necessarily or or study what you're reading or even understand it that that well um 
you're, you, you read short passages of Scripture, and then you find even shorter bits in there that really speak to your heart in that moment, and you use those words as your own prayer. You meditate on them or reflect on them, um, and then you pray them. And, um, and the, I also talk in the book about uh, an ancient practice called breathing prayer, where you breathe mm. through the words, and that kind of gets, helps you begin down the path into contemplative prayer. Doctor, what do you mean by doctor, breathing through the words? What, I'm sorry. I've never heard of that. What is that? Well, basically, when you do breathing prayer, uh, it's, it's like you take two lines of prayer, and, and the, the original one is the Jesus prayer. You know, the Jesus prayer is, um, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And you have these two lines. But you don't say them out loud. You say them in your mind while you breathe, and you say the first line while you breathe in, and the second line while you breathe out, and by doing that, you, you match the prayer with the rhythm of your breathing. It makes sure that you don't go too fast in your prayer, so you're not just going through the motions by rote, uh, and, and you are matching your body with your spirit, and um, wow. it, it's, it's a beautiful way to pray. It's, it's not to be confused with a secular or, or Eastern religions meditation or anything like that. It's it's different than that, mm -hmm. uh, but it has uh, it's some of the same benefits that those kinds of things would promise you. Mm -hmm. Dr. James, this is David. I was, uh, I'm going to see if I got this right about your book, because I found myself just the other day going to the Psalms, wanting to pray through the Psalms, but I couldn't find the one I was looking for at the time, because I think sometimes the Psalms will say things that I really want to say to God, but they're put so well, sometimes in frustration, sometimes in gratitude and such. So do you have these like categorized? Is that how you do that? Well, I do. Uh, the, book, okay. the book goes through them kind of in order, but at the end there's an index that that I've called, for lack of a better term, a mood index. There you go. Okay. Uh, which, yeah. which is uh, exactly what you're talking about. If yeah. you're feeling angry, right. you can look up the Psalms that you can pray. Uh, uh, if, you're feeling, wow. if you're feeling guilty and you're feeling burdened yes, by yes. sin, mm -hmm. you can look those up. If you're feeling concerned about our, our country and our culture, which, you know, who isn't, right? right? Uh, there are Psalms for that, too. And so, yeah, you can look them up in the index. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, this book <laughs> mm -hmm. is perfect for those who are anxious and those who just want to, you know, be one with their emotions and God and have God help them uh, throughout the day. I'm just thinking because there's so many things going on in today's world where social media and technology and the news can influence our mood for the day. Mm -hmm. This is the perfect book to start your day off. So Dr. Papandrea, we live busy lives. Um, how or what would you recommend us to do to take the time to sit down and take a look at the Psalms and really dive into your book? Well, I think, you know, first of all, to your point, we can all stand to spend less time with technology and on screens and with social media. So if, if mm -hmm. people are thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I don't have time for prayer, uh, you, you might first need to think about what, what needs to go, what you need to decrease in your life in order to make time for prayer. I mean, personally, I... I like to start my day with this every day, and if, if, a, if a person can do that, even just by getting up a little earlier, 
spend a few minutes doing this. Um, it's really going to set the tone for your day. Uh, but if you can't do it in the morning, then then do it at night before bed. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, find time. If, if you haven't figured out yet how to find time every day to be in prayer, even for a little while, uh, we all need that. Yeah. How long did it take you to put this together? Well, you know, it's been an ongoing project. I started doing this, uh, praying the Psalms, uh, several years ago, and I, uh, like anyone would, I prayed through the Psalms in English, using my favorite English Bible. Um, but then I thought, well, you know, let's let's do this in Hebrew, and so I did it in the Hebrew, and then I went through the, the Greek Old Testament, the Bible of Jesus and the Apostles, and then I did it in Latin. And wow. so when I was done with all four of those, and I actually had a, a notebook full for, from each one, I realized I could, I could put them all together and come up with a new translation of these segments of the Psalms. Um, and when I mentioned it to my publisher, they, uh, they were excited about it, and they said, yeah, that, that's a book, let's do that. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Uh, Dr. Papandrea, where can we pick up, uh, where can our listeners pick up their copy of Praying the Psalms, The Divine Gateway to Lexio Divina and Contemplative Prayer? Uh, well, it is uh, available from Sophia Institute Press, so you can certainly go to their website, but it, it is available already for pre-order on Amazon, and um, I'm sure it's going to be available anywhere else you get books. Amazing. This is definitely something oh, I yeah. highly recommend. Taking a look. I love the mood index. Yeah. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> love that. Uh, well, <laughs> thank was, you so much so for being uh, with us. Gabby, what was, <laughs> it was so interesting is yeah. it was one day, there's not too many prayers of gratitude. There's a whole lot of prayers of petition, but there is in Psalms. And so that yeah. you know yeah. things right. like that. That's what I'm looking for. This and this cool ought to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The cool thing is you're praying with the ancients. Yes, you this are. This was the Psalter was their root. Yeah, yeah. daily their daily prayer. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. That's right. I I agree. Doctor James Papandrea, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. It's always a blessing. Thank you. All right. Definitely check out your local Catholic bookstore for Dr. Papandrea's book and support them as well. We yeah. need They need our support. We need to support them. Uh, so definitely go and check them out. Also, they have so many other cool things for RCIA candidates coming into the church, baptisms, first communions, anything that you could possibly imagine. They have it over there as well. I wanted to talk about our seventh annual Catholic Man Night, you guys. Reservations are going so quickly yeah go to ccmedia.live and take a look at all of the details thank you so much karen has graciously put it on the screen for those that are watching catholic man night is wednesday november 8th at white oak estate and gardens more information on our website at ccmedia.live michelle schroeder joins us when we return from the break it is half past the hour on wake up Thirty-five past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm David Dawson, along with Gabby Smith and Johnny A. Bear. And right now, uh, we're with Michelle Schroeder. She's the director of pastoral services at Our Lady of Mercy Church in Baton Rouge. But uh, y'all, I got to tell you, I, I stumbled across this little book in my adoration chapel. Well, actually, my wife had it, and she was chuckling and handed it over to me. And this is a delightful delightful little book about adoration that I 
I recommend you bring to the Adoration Chapel or just read it before <laughs> you go. Our guest, Michelle Schroeder. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm happy to have you on here. This this book, uh, I mean, you you even prefaced the book by saying, "Look, I'm not a I'm not a theologian, or I'm not a I'm not a scholar, or anything like that." You you wrote this book uh, because of your experiences beginning adoration, right? Yes, absolutely. And um, to be honest, I don't feel like I wrote the book at all. I felt like <laughs> the Holy Spirit was really just telling me what to type. Um, it was, um, you know, several years ago, I started going to adoration, just mm-hmm. kind of looking for some, some peace and quiet with God. And um, as I went, I was having these experiences of just um, really intense moments mm-hmm. with Jesus. Right. And I would ask people, you know, do you ever go to adoration? Have you ever gone to adoration? And people, oh, I don't know, what do they do in there? Right. That's kind of how I felt. Um, (laughs) It's this little chapel, and, you know, you can't really see in, and you're not sure what's happening. And it was, Mm -hmm. honestly, before I went in, it was a little intimidating. I didn't grow up with an adoration chapel at my church. It wasn't something that I was really exposed to, so Mm -hmm. it was like, what are they doing in there? Kind of, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. It, it could be a little scary. So, you know, once I started going, I was like, oh, everybody needs to know about this. Yes, <laughs> you know? yes. And and so did you, I mean, I, I think a lot of people are also intimidated when they say, well, go in there because Christ wants you to spend one hour with him. And that's that's a little hard to do, and that's a little extreme at first, isn't it? Right. That can be... Um, you know, daunting because you think, well, gee, you know, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? And certainly if you're committing to an hour, like places that have perpetual adoration, um, yes, the hour is absolutely necessary. But for, you know, those of us who are just getting started in this practice, certainly just going in there, um, you know, for a little while here and there and getting um, comfortable, getting familiar with how to pray, how to be there in the presence of God is, um, you know, a great way to get started. Right, right. Yeah, I, I'm, I've got your table of contents here. Y'all, this little book is only 60 pages long, but it is powerful, and it says it says so much to it. Uh, uh, but, but the table of contents, you've got the nuts and bolts of adoration. You've got hectic day, got to pray. Boy, don't I know that one. And uh, what, am I, <laughs> what am I doing here was had to be one of my favorite ones. Uh, but but I'm going to quote you because it's it's right where the staples are in the middle, okay? When and and it is in the um, I think it's in the bouncy balls area because you're talking about your train of thought when you go into the adoration chapel and everybody just says just just be at peace, just be at peace. I'm, I'm going to read you this little quote. Uh, you say, okay, okay, God, I'm going to be quiet and wait for your answer. I'm going to he- clear my mind now. And then you're saying, I think it's clear. No, I'm thinking about it being clear, so it's not. <laughs> then you say, okay, I'm really not going to think of anything this time. And then you're saying, what hymn is the church bells chiming outside? I know this one. Wait, stop thinking. So, I mean, this I can relate to, okay? This I can relate to, Michelle. So, so uh, you have any tips on quieting your thoughts? <laughs> Yes. Well, you know, it, we're so used to going, 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 right? Yeah. I mean, things are constantly dinging at us and chiming at us and reminding us we have to do, you know, this or that. Um, 
there are times when, you know, I just can't right. uh, do it on my own. And that's, um, that's when I'll usually pick up something to read or okay. bring something in there. Um, or a lot of adoration chapels will have a little section with books. Yeah. Um, and I'll bring something to kind of help me focus. And uh, I was just listening to the segment right before this. Right. I'm thinking, wow. Because I even talk about praying with the Psalms uh-huh. in adoration. It's a great place to do that. And I was like, oh, this book would be perfect. Exactly. I need to get it. So, you know, um, praying was something to help focus your attention. And yes, God does speak to us in the silence. But he also speaks to us through the scripture and through other things we read. So there are times when if I just can't quiet myself, I let God do it for me by opening my Bible or a book and okay. praying with um, with something like that. So. Okay. Okay. And now, now take it back to square one. Somebody is listening right now and saying, okay, I've never been in an adoration chapel before ever. Uh, what can they expect? And how do they begin just to begin. Sure. Well, the first thing to do is simply walk in and don't be intimidated and walk in there and, um, you know, kneel down. I always try to start by thanking God and just, you know, sort of um, going through things I'm thankful for and letting him know I love him and just kind of putting myself in that presence. Okay. And of course you can kneel, you can sit. It's not like, mass um right a know, lot of these chapels have pra- uh, chairs do. in them you know uh a, a lot of them have chairs right. in them right mm-hmm. so and kneelers and you know so mm-hmm. you kind of get comfortable and um you know silence of course is golden in the adoration chapel and it helps everyone you know because you may be alone in there but chances are there's going to be other people too so being quiet and respectful so that everyone can have their um, their time with the Lord. But really, it's just about taking that first step and going in and and opening yourself to, to God's presence and right. being really up close and personal with Him. When you first started off, did you go in for a whole hour? No, not okay. at first. Okay. It would be, um, you know, a few minutes here and there, and... Now, of course, I go for an hour, but I still pop in other times just um, to, you know, quiet my mind or, or pray for a few minutes, or sometimes you just need a little Jesus in your day. So, Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> certainly, certainly the hour um, is a good, a good commitment to make. It's a good commitment to prayer. It's a good commitment. Um, you know, I think I write in there about you know, making making an appointment, sort of, you know, writing it in your calendar, planning for a time to go. Because uh-huh. otherwise, like so many things, it's easy to get, you know, oh, I'll do that tomorrow, yep. you know, type yep. of attitude. So. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have any strong revelations in adoration? Well, yes. One of the strongest ones was that I should write this book. That literally came to me in adoration. Um, I'm glad I didn't for that. Know I was writing, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know I was writing a book at all. I just <laughs> felt like I was supposed to, when I came home, um, you know, reflect on what I had been experiencing. And all of a sudden, there it was. So, yeah. Um, but certainly other times I've... You know, I found clarity about things, whether it was through scripture or mm-hmm. just prayer. Um, 
sometimes I like to, you know, just try to kind of visualize, take myself out of the room, close my eyes, and right. picture just talking, you know, to Jesus in, you know, in person. Like a one-on-one um, conversation. Right, right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you can do that in the chapel because there aren't the distractions. You're not following along with the Mass or anything. Right, but right. But certainly in those times, I've had... Um, I've had great revelations um, about things, but uh, there are times when I don't feel like anything happens either, and that's okay. That's all right. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Michelle, you know, when I was researching, uh, I wanted to get your book, and then I was blown away that you're right here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, so I was kind of amazed by that. And then I see uh, the 10 books. You've got uh, a handy little guide to confession, a handy little guide to the Holy Spirit, and... You got a handy little guide to Lent, so uh, that's that's pretty amazing. You're 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 busy, <laughs> Michelle Schroeder. Thank you uh, yeah. so much. Keep up the good work. This, these these are wonderful little books. Yes. A handy little guide to adoration, and uh, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much. Have right. a great day, y'all. God bless. God bless. All right, bottom of the hour. Uh, I'm sorry, it is not the bottom of the hour. It's 45 past the hour. You're running later than you thought. <laughs> Good morning to you. I hope you are enjoying this gorgeous weather. 60s, uh, many mm-hmm. parts of our listening area. Yes, drink it up. Loving it. <laughs> we do thank you for letting uh, this station proclaim the truth that has been lovingly revealed through the church that Jesus founded. And on that topic, we're going to be continuing a new series called Catholic 101 with Jordan Haddad. He's the professor of dogmatic theology at Notre Dame Seminary and president of the St. Louis the Ninth. Art Society. The topic today, yeah, it's in right when you open up your catechism, it's divine revelation. Good morning, Jordan. Good morning. It's great to be here with y'all. Oh, you bet. You bet. Hey, Jordan, so I guess the first thing, I guess the good news or maybe surprise is that God has revealed himself, right? I mean, let's start with that. Yeah, it's, it's almost too good to be true when you really reflect upon the, the gravity and, and meaning of what we're really, really saying when we, when we use those words. Um, last week, you know, we spoke about the natural revelation of God, how God reveals himself through the created order and makes his existence and his attributes known to each and every person simply by the fact of, of their own existence. And this morning we're going to talk a little bit about God's divine revelation, and so um, which is related to, but it's different than how God reveals Himself through the created order through general revelation. So through through general or natural revelation, we can come to know of God, you know that He exists and some of His attributes to the things that He's created. But in divine revelation, we come to know God, full stop. We come to know okay. Him both personally and communally. Why? How? Because He's spoken and He's acted among us, both in a mediated way in the Old Testament through His prophets and His angelic uh, messengers, and in the New Testament in an unmediated way, in the incarnate Son of God, Jesus Christ, whose words and actions are the words and actions of God Himself. And so, through God's divine revelation, He doesn't simply want to 
increase our knowledge of, of things that we can know about him, but rather he wants to establish a relationship and give us a deeper understanding of who he is, who we are, and what he desires for our lives and our relationship with him. So, so this God has entered history in a very concrete way. Let, build on that a little bit. You know, how, is he, how did he do that? What's he done that's most outstanding that we should makes us take up notice and say, this is not something we could have made up? Sure. So one of the really amazing things about divine revelation is how God has descended or condescended to, the, to our level, to our state as human beings. And he's spoken to us, and he's acted among us in such a way that we're capable of perceiving him. Because if we're being honest, if we're really thinking about the infinite God, the transcendent God who is, you know, being itself, who is not a thing in the universe, but the creator of the universe who exists outside of time, we would think, well, it's impossible for this God to reveal himself to little old human beings on the planet Earth, because we're so small and finite and our minds are so limited, but, but the majesty and the power of God is manifested in his ability to reveal himself and to reveal himself in a way that we're capable of receiving him. So just like how when we are interacting with our dog or our cat, you know, we're not going to stand there and, and, and give a sort of lecture to them to convey what we expect of them, but we're going to kind of get down on their level and speak to them a way that they can receive it. God kind of does a similar thing in the course of salvation history with us. He speaks and he acts in a way that we can receive him, and in so doing establishes a a very real relationship with us, which, you know, which builds and grows over time. St. Irenaeus calls this the divine pedagogy. God takes the human race who exists in a state of moral and spiritual infancy at the beginning of human history, and raises her up and teaches her and grows and matures her over time so that when she reaches the proper age and the proper stage of development, he can become one of us, and we can understand what that means, and we can receive him in the appropriate way. It does seem like we're talking about our gospel today about children, that God seems to have done this gradually. In other words, it's like history is like we were children, and he kind of spoon-fed us and built to a crescendo with the coming of his son. Is that how God did that? I mean, was that uh, intentional in the sense of preparing us all along the way? He couldn't give us too much all at once. We would never have been able to grasp it, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, there's there's a beautiful wisdom with which God reveals himself. He reveals himself in a very orderly way, in a way that if we are capable of receiving him at the time, and you think about the chosen people of Israel in the Old Testament, in a way that they're capable of receiving him, God allows for, for certain images to be used, or symbols, or signs, or to perform certain mighty deeds that would be particularly significant to them to really get the message across. But then over time, God, of course, wants to lead his chosen people and the whole human race to a deeper, more mature understanding, to see that you know, God is not in, you know, the mighty, you know, the, the destructive earthquakes or the fires or the hurricanes, but he's that still small voice. You know, that God can reveal himself in such a humble way is not something that the chosen people would be capable of, of, of understanding and receiving in their earlier infancy. But growing up, the Lord's able to instruct the prophet Elijah and through Elijah, the rest of the chosen people, that 
that real majesty, real divine majesty is made manifest in that which is small and weak. And of course, this is fulfilled in the incarnation of Jesus Christ in the womb of Mary, that, that, that small Jewish girl um, who, who becomes the mother of God and gives birth to, um, you know, to he who will bring about salvation for all. Um, so there's a real wisdom and order with which God reveals himself that in hindsight, we're capable of looking back and seeing and coming to a deeper appreciation of it, but also seeing how it all hangs together from beginning to end. And what comes before sets the stage for what comes later and later, and what comes later fulfills and gives the deeper meaning of what comes before. Uh, St. Augustine says the Old Testament, um, he says um, the Old Testament uh, you know, lays the foundation for that which is to come into the new, and the new fulfills and gives meaning to that which was old. Right, right. Well, and I know we're running out of time. Unfortunately, this goes so quick. I really want to get to, has everything been revealed? And uh, we, we keep, church keeps telling yes, but we're still trying to unfold and unpack that. And, and the next time I also want to touch on Jordan, how do we trust the sources of people of what God has revealed? And I, I have a feeling you're going to be getting to that next. So, Jordan, where can people learn more if they want to keep up with you? and uh, what's going on at Notre Dame. Sure. So uh, at Notre Dame Seminary, we're in the middle of our semester. You can follow us, all, all the, the great things that are happening, especially around our 100th year uh, anniversary as a seminary. Um, you can follow us um, on our website, nds.edu, as well as on our social media. You know, we're constantly posting updates about how the semester's going, the types of um, um, externships and projects that our seminarians are involved with and our lay students and, and everything surrounding the 100-year celebration Thanks. and anniversary of the founding of the seminary, which we're so grateful for and so excited Amen. to continue the yes, work out. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jordan, for all you do. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for this time. Look forward to uh, picking this up. Thank you, Jordan. God bless. Thank you all. Um. Wow. Well, let's go out in prayer today. Let me pray on this day in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we begin this day with your revealed word planted within us, we ask for all the blessings necessary to proclaim your name to a nation that desperately needs you again. Grant us the wisdom to speak in truth to those that have been seduced by the culture, charity to those that have been used, mercy to those who are lost, kindness to the hard-hearted, and compassion to those with no one to lean upon. For doing this, we are your hands, your feet, and your heart that desires to save rather than condemn the world. May we bring glory to your name forever and ever. Amen. In the Father, and Son, and Holy amen. Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful Wednesday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.